They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orxy's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. by the Duke and Duchess of Somerset at their London house in St. James's, that Tony Dewhurst and I first met Lucille. In the ballroom, they were dancing a minuet, I remember. Ah, hello, our Countess. May I crave your attention for a moment? But of course. I've brought two old friends who are anxious to meet you. May I present Lord Anthony Dewhurst and Sir Percy Blakeney. Gentlemen, the Countess Destema. Your servant, Countess? Your very humble servant. How do you do, gentlemen? Oh, well, pardon me. I hope I see Prince Orloff beckoning imperiously in my direction. And when royalty calls... But one... certainly, Your Grace. We shall meet again later, perhaps. So, you are Lord Tony and Sir Percy. How charming. I had heard you were in London. I was hoping you would be here tonight and that we should meet. Are you nervous? I shall be plain. I wish... Meet the man they call the Scarlet Pimpernel. Ha! Ha, ha, ha! Did you hear that, Teddy? She wishes to meet the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh, a wish shared by many people, madame, including, so I'm told, a certain citizen Chauvelin. Oh, you mock me, gentlemen. Upon my soul, we don't, ma'am. But how do you imagine we could arrange such a meeting? I have my reasons for believing it's possible. Oh, I assure you, Countess, it's quite outside our power. Absolutely. Then I have been misinformed. Mm, I'm sorry, but it would seem so. Of course, if we ever do run up against the fellow, which is extremely unlikely, uh, we should be most happy to be of service. Thank you. Uh, still, I'd not place too much reliance on that. But... No, 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 I shan't. Oh, they're dancing again. May I have the honor, Countess? But certainly, if Sir Percy will excuse us. Of course. In the next couple of weeks, we met Lucille several times at various functions. 
Our own observations confirm what all the reports told us, that she was indeed a woman of genuine and sincere purpose, a woman to be trusted. At last, we decided to take the plunge. We sent a message that would be of something of importance to convey to her, and the same afternoon we found ourselves at her home. There were four of us. Lucille, Tony, myself, and Lucille's companion, a middle-aged woman of obvious breeding and considerable charm named Lisa Duvine. Do be seated, please, gentlemen. Ah, if we may. I always find it so fatiguing to stand and uh, so unnecessary. You wish to speak to me, I believe, on a matter of importance. Uh, yes, indeed. Very important, eh, Tony? Very. Very well. Please begin. Well, uh, if you'll forgive me saying so, it's the most confidential. Oh, well, I understand. Uh, my presence embarrasses you. Uh, perhaps you would prefer if I leave the room. Don't go, Lisa. Gentlemen, I wish you to know Madame Duvigne is my oldest and dearest friend. She has my complete confidence. If you are about to tell me what I think and hope you are, you may do so quite safely before her. Ah, thank you, milady. Nevertheless, I think it were better for me to go. Uh, you will pardon me, gentlemen? Oh, certainly. Your servant, madam. Uh, when you have finished your talk, I will serve tea. It is a custom we have learned in England. And now, monsieur? The uh, evening we first met, madame, you expressed a wish to meet the Scarlet Pimpernel. It is my dearest wish. You will appreciate, of course, that there are certain reasons why this man must forever remain anonymous, except to a few of his most intimate associates. Does that mean I am not to meet him after all? I'm afraid that's impossible. Oh, you disappoint me, Sir Percy. However, I am now at liberty to reveal to you that both Tony here and myself are, in fact, active members of the Pimpernel's League. I knew it. I was sure of it from the first. And we have full authority to act on our leader's behalf. To invite you to join the League, if you so wish. If I so wish, monsieur. Oh, believe me, it is the one desire of my life. And to work with you in any way which appears to us practical and advantageous to the cause. You make me very happy indeed. And very proud. I thank you both a thousand times. Well, having got rid of that little formality, let's get down to business, shall we? You already have some ideas for me, yes? <laughs> Nothing positive at the moment, Countess. Please. If we are to be not only friends, but partners, you will call me Lucille. Splendid. And I shall call you Percy. Uh, and you, Tony. You do not think me forward. Oh, on the contrary, we're, we're deeply honored. That is good. Now I feel I am a real member of the League. You were about to suggest we should, as you say in England, get down to business. Oh, yes, of course. Well, as you know, the League exists primarily to assist in the escape from France of people who are victims of the Revolution. But we can't work in the dark. We must first of all know who these people are and how to reach them without danger to ourselves or them. I could name you scores. Oh, we hope for that. Now, in the second place, we need agents in France. People we can trust implicitly. Who are willing to risk their lives as links in the escape chain. I know many of such people, too. Little people, mostly... Farmers and traders and clerks and artisans. They are the salt of my country. Yes, indeed. The unsung heroes of France. Now, what I want you to do is this. I want you to prepare us two lists. One of those whom you know wish to escape, and one of those whom you're satisfied we may safely employ to help us. But I have already done so. You have? 
I have them over here, locked in my bureau. Here they are. Of course, there will be others from time to time, as their names occur to me. But these should be quite adequate for a start, yes? More than adequate. Here, Tony, you take charge of these. Right. And you may also find useful this small gift. Oh, it is nothing. A mere scrap of paper. A draft on your Bank of England. Please pay the bill. One hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. The information and the money Lucille had given us were invaluable. In the weeks that followed, as we worked in increasingly close contact with her, any doubts we may ever have had of her sincerity were completely dispelled. Harding, Fuchs, and others of the League were kept busy in France and what had been a mere trickle of refugees across the channel became a strongly flowing stream. And then, suddenly, things began to go wrong. First, Harding arrived unexpectedly in London, exhausted and nursing a shoulder wound. It was terrible. There were eight of us in two carriages. We observed all the usual precautions, disguises, false papers... We traveled only by night, and the agents who hid us by day were men and women who'd proved their loyalty over and over again. It seemed impossible anything could go wrong. Yet a few miles out of Dieppe, we were ambushed and attacked. And here I am. Sorry to be the bearer of such bad tidings. My dear fellow, it's no fault of yours. The thing I can't understand is how it could possibly have happened. How could they have known? Well, there can only be one explanation for that. Somewhere among us, there's a traitor. Two days later came an even more disturbing report from Fuchs. Every single agent of ours along the way had either been killed or was under arrest. Oh, but this is monstrous. Someone must have betrayed us. Obviously, but who? I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, Blakeney. I don't know if the same suspicion is forming in your mind. No, no. It's not possible. Let's concern ourselves with facts. And how are we going to learn those facts? There's only one possible way. 
Tonight, you and I leave for France. Advocat Lebrun. I trust you'll forgive my lamentable ignorance, my dear sir, but I'm afraid I have never heard of you. I've only recently come to Paris. Indeed, from where? From uh, Lyon. Lyon, eh? Hmm. I'd never have guessed it from your accent. Ah, I was brought up and educated in Paris. That explains it, then. Hmm. And now you're attached to the ministry? Uh, yes. Then that makes us colleagues. Splendid. Well, now, monsieur, what can I do for you? You may, monsieur, possibly recall the case of a man named um, Paul uh, Lemain. Lemain? <laughs> Lemain? One deals with so many cases, you know. Uh, he was a butcher of Amiens. Uh-huh. A week ago, he was executed for assisting in the escape of enemies of the Republic. Oh, oui, oui. Uh, that one, I remember. Uh, there was also a parish priest at Liancourt, a father Dumont. Yes, yes. And a man named Pelletier in Chantilly. These three men, I believe, and others were arrested and charged on your orders. That's so. They were, in fact, all agents working for that notorious organization known as the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. Correct. Uh, I have been instructed to prepare a dossier on the whole case. Uh Uh-huh. Instructed? By whom? By Citizen Chauvelin. As you know, anything relating to the Scarlet Pimpernel is of particular personal interest to him. Well, we didn't go into precise details. Monsieur Labellier. Everyone knows that the Scarlet Pimpernel is a menace to the safety of the Republic. You must also be aware that between himself and Chauvelin, there is uh, what can only be described as a bitter personal feud. I have heard it said. Chauvelin is determined to leave no stone unturned to bring about the downfall of this impudent Englishman. He has instructed me to make a detailed and careful study of all the circumstances connected with the recent arrests you ordered, in the hope that somewhere I may find some clue that will lead him to the Pimpernel. That is rather an important assignment for a young advocate who has just arrived in Paris, isn't it? (laughs) Citizen Chauvelin and I are old friends. Indeed. Indeed, monsieur. I know you'll forgive my caution, but this whole matter is highly confidential. I would uh, hesitate to act without a direct instruction from Chauvelin himself. Oh, naturally, my dear sir, naturally. You have the um, authorization there, Francois? Oh, yes, sir. Allow me, monsieur. Signed by Chauvelin himself. Ah. I trust that puts everything in order. Yes, yes, quite, uh, quite. I am at your service. Now, exactly what is it you wish to know? I have already obtained depositions of the various trials, and I'm having inquiries made regarding the backgrounds of the various people concerned, so we shan't need to bother ourselves with routine details. Excellent. That will save us a great deal of time. However, there is one point on which, for obvious reasons, I'm still in complete ignorance. Mm -hmm. When you made these arrests, you were naturally acting on um, certain information that had come to you. Naturally. Uh, what was the precise source of this uh, information? It came from number 47. Uh, forgive my ignorance, but I know nothing whatever of our espionage. Uh, who or what is number 47? Number 47 is one of our most reliable agents. Oh, I see. Uh, how did it come to you? In writing or verbally? In writing, of course. Oh, why, of course. Number 47 is stationed in London. Uh, naturally, she couldn't very well shout it to you from there, could she? You said she, monsieur. 
Did I? Really? I have a feeling you're not so ignorant of our espionage system. You know how it is, monsieur. It's not always profitable to know too much. Right, right. Uh, this letter now from number 47, you have it still? Here it is. Brief and to the point. One of 47's most commendable qualities. Well, it should only take you a moment or so to copy it, young man. Thank you, sir. And now, monsieur, if there's anything else you wish to know... Aha, citizen Chauvelin. Good morning, citizen Labellier. How opportune you should call. Advocat Lebrun and I... Advocat Lebrun. This gentleman here, he was telling me you had instructed him. I have instructed him? He has your written authority. I tell you, I have never seen the fellow in my life. What? No. No, don't move either of you. I assure you this pistol is loaded, and nothing in the world will give me greater pleasure than an excuse to use it. You're wrong, you know, Chauvelin. We have met before, many times. They seek him here, they seek him there. The Scarlet Pimpernel! Correct. Got that letter? Yes. Good. There's a key in the door, I see. Transfer it to the other side. Right. Excellent. Thank you for your very considerable help, Monsieur Labellier. I shall do myself the favor of calling on your friend number 47 as soon as I return to London. What secrets have you been giving away, Labellier? You will answer for this. I am sorry, citizen. I didn't know. As a learned advocate, monsieur, I can assure you that ignorance is no excuse in law. Goodbye, Chauvelin. I'm sorry our meeting must be so brief, but I have no doubt we'll meet again. Ready? Yes. Right, let's go. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Back in London, we went first to our chambers. Ironically, there was a note awaiting us in the same feminine handwriting that we now knew so well. It had been delivered only that morning. What does it say, Blakeney? It's addressed to us both. It says... I've had a slight mishap that has confined me to bed for some days. That's why I've not been in touch with you. However, I'm about again now, and I would dearly like to see you both this afternoon. May I hope to expect you about five o'clock, with affection. <laughs> Lucille. What's the time now? Ten to five. Oh, well, the sooner we get it over and done with, the better, I suppose. I dare say you're right. It's going to be far from pleasant, though. <laughs> We were shown into the drawing room. 
A moment later, the door reopened and Lucille appeared. She looked as beautiful as ever, but pale and wan. And she leaned a little on Madame Duvine, who was beside her. And her right arm was bound and in a sling. Well, is this the way to greet an old friend? Why do you stare at me? Why do you not speak? Your arm. Oh, it is nothing serious. I slipped and sprained my wrist. A little pain for a day or so, of course, but soon now, it will be well. Then you... you must be left-handed. Why, no. Of course I'm not left-handed. What gives you such a strange notion? What is the matter with you both? You wrote us a note only this morning. Oh, that. Lisa wrote it for me. Didn't you, Lisa? Yes, my lady. Madame, may I ask you a question? But certainly, sir. Your initials are, of course, the same as your mistress's, L.D. Does the number 47 mean anything to you? What? 47? I... I do not know what you mean. I... I am... I am not very well. You... You will excuse me, please. Lisa! Come back! No, no. Let her go. In a moment, Marius Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. So all the while, as we talk together in here, discussing the secret details of this and that, Lisa was listening, and what she heard she wrote and sent to this La Belliere in Paris. Why should she do a thing like that? Perhaps I can guess. Early in the revolution, her brother and his family were seized. She believes they are still alive. Perhaps she hoped that by selling this information, she would buy their liberty. Excuse me, milady. What is it, James? I'm afraid there has been an accident, milady. Madame Duvine obviously thought she was taking medicine, but it seems she took poison instead. I have sent for a physician, but... I'm afraid she is dead.
Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, with music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers.